May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Oh, how about that strong family? I'm telling you, just when you think they can't get any stronger, there they go. Well, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm really glad you're here today, and I want to welcome our North Campus. I miss you guys. I'll see you all next Sunday. Please behave yourself for Pastor Ryan over there today. Look, today we are going to be talking about guiding adult children. And it is. When you think of like family strong, that's not the first thing that comes to your mind, but it's absolutely true. Now, like, I don't have any adult children. My kids are 10, 7, 5, and 2 years old. But there was a family in our small group a couple semesters ago that one of the largest frustrations that they had in their marriage were their parents. And I pray continually with parents who are struggling with watching their adult children walk down roads that they know are destructive and they don't know what to do. They don't want to know whether to insert themselves into the equation and potentially blow it up or just not do anything and stay silent. And so I pray with them as they struggle. And as an adult child on the other end, oh, I've seen how that relationship goes well and how it struggles. And so today we're going to take a look at it. I remember a little bit ago when my Lily, a sweet little five-year-old, was beginning to realize in kind of our family structure deal that her Grammy was not just her Grammy, but also my mom. And her uncles were not just her uncles, but they were my brothers. And so like when Uncle Neil and Uncle Grant would show up, she wouldn't tell me, hey, the uncles are here. She'd be like, hey, Dad, your brothers are here. It even got funnier when we were driving to Grammy's house and she'd say, hey, Dad, we're going to your mom's house. Yes, we are. I'd come home from work. Lily, like, what'd you do today? Your mom came over. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Lily. Or like, Robin's on the phone. I'm like, Lily, who's mom on the phone with? Your mom. Awesome. Thank you. There's nothing like your sweet little five-year-old dropping your mom jokes on you continuously. But like, the reality is, is that her Grammy is my mom. And I am her favorite and best son. And just like Robin and I have to navigate the waters of being parents to Lily, my mom and I have to navigate the waters of parent and son. And it looks very different now than it did when I was just a little guy living at home. And a lot of times when it comes to parents and adult children, there is a good bit of tension. Because as the adult child, we just want to scream, stop babying us. Stop, stop, stop. Like, I am grown. I can make my own decisions. I have my own family right now. And if I wind up making a bad decision, well, then I'll learn the hard way. But please back off a little bit of distance. Well, then as the parent, we're struggling. Because we've been around the block before. And we know where that road ends. We know that that journey and that path leads to heartache, hurt, and destruction. And we don't know whether to insert ourselves and potentially blow it up. But then on the other hand, we know that if we do nothing, well, nothing changes. And so we sit idly by sometimes and watch destruction take place, and it hurts. And then on top of that, as parents, we blame ourselves for decisions that our kids make. We continually think to ourselves, if only, by, if only I, we had been present more. If only I had loved, shown a little more patience. If only the temper hadn't flown off the handle so often. 
Or what if we hadn't gotten a divorce? What if we hadn't moved during that crucial year of high school? What if we'd have paid a little bit more attention to who our children's friends were? Or whatever it may be, we blame ourselves. And we say, if only we had done a better job as parents, well, then our kids would not be in the difficult situations that they're in and struggling with making the choices that they're making. And it is guilt, and it hurts, and it is very real, and it is very difficult to live with. So if we're going to be family strong, this is something that we've got to deal with. How? How do we navigate these waters of parenting? How do we deal with the guilt that is just crushing us? Well, praise God that the Bible is very clear on how to handle it. And one of the least known, least talked about passages in all of scripture. Going to, been, going to church pretty much all of my life, I don't think I've ever heard this passage even read or mentioned. But it's in this quick little story that we can pull out details to God giving us a roadmap and how to guide our adult children. And honestly, doesn't matter how old our kids are. So before we go any further, kind of, let me set up the scene for you here. The dad's name is Jacob. Yes, the same Jacob that we talked about last week, whose brother was Esau. Well, Jacob has gone on, and he now has 12 sons. 12 sons. How awesome is that? That's like royal rumble every single day in the house. So much fun to grow up in, but yet, can you imagine the smelly laundry? Like, I'm just going to be honest. That was probably disgusting. It was probably like in a whole other tent. They probably had like the laundry tent. It smelled so bad. But forget all that stuff. Most of Jacob's sons are grown. Now, God eventually changes Jacob's name to Israel, which is where we get the name for the nation of Israel. And through his descendants is where we get the 12 tribes of Israel of how it was divided up in Jesus's times. Pretty cool, huh? So most of the 12 are grown, except the youngest. The youngest's name is Benjamin. Benjamin is a newborn. But today I want us to focus on Reuben. Reuben is the oldest of Jacob's sons, and Reuben does something really, really, really bad. And it is in how Israel responds or doesn't respond that we will pull out a little bit of hints of how God desires for us to guide adult children and to remove this guilt off of our shoulders. So if you haven't gotten your sermon notes out yet, go ahead and get it out, and let's start with the question. How does God want me to guide my adult children? Well, here's the first thing. Number one is we have to address issues as they happen. Address issues as they happen. Let's look in our story. In Genesis 35, starting in verse 21, it says, Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Whoa! So Reuben, oldest son, went in and slept with his dad's concubine. Okay, time out. Please do not get hung up on like the wives versus concubine like deal. That is a whole nother sermon that Pastor Mike is thrilled to preach to you one day. <laughs> so, yeah, cast that aside. Reuben sleeps with Israel's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel hears about it. And you know what Israel does? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And you think, well, maybe it didn't hurt his feelings. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. 
Maybe he looks and he's like, you know what? Reuben's an adult. I'm not going to get involved in it. He made a bad decision, but I've made bad decisions. He probably feels really bad about it. It hurts. You know what? I'm just not going to do anything about it. But it really did hurt him. And it cut Israel deep. And we know that because of what happens over two decades later. Two decades have gone by. Israel is very old and he's about to die. And he calls his 12 sons to surround his bedside. And as is tradition, he is going to go son by son, starting with the oldest, Reuben, and give them a blessing and give them their inheritance. And as is tradition, Reuben as the oldest is going to get the greatest blessing as well as the largest inheritance, two times the size of the inheritance of any of the other sons. That's what Reuben's expecting. That's what he's waiting for. That's what he is going in to receive. And so he walks in, and look how the story unfolds. Genesis 49, verses 1 through 4. Then Jacob, remember God changed his name to Israel, called for his sons and said, gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. For you went up onto your father's father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. Can you imagine that scene? What? Reuben's like, what? What, what just happened? 20 years had gone by. And you can see the hurt in Israel finally coming out. Finally addressing the issue in a worst way possible. The hurt that Reuben felt there. I mean, he was expecting a great blessing, the greatest inheritance. And his dad went from telling him, you are my might, excelling in honor, excelling in power, to saying, hey, from here on out, you're not going to sell anymore. You're going to be a loser. That's what he walked in, and that's what he got. Because of something that happened 20 years ago. You know, I often wonder, I wonder if Jacob just didn't know how to handle it. For 20 years, he experienced the elephant in the room, and Reuben had no idea, and it was just eating at Jacob over and over and over again. I wonder if he just didn't know how to handle it. You know, in verse 4, Jacob refers to Reuben as turbulent, turbulent as the waters. I wonder if Reuben was the kind of guy who was easy to fly off the handle, just kind of had that hurricane personality that you never knew, just struggled with anger and frustration, and Jacob might have said, you know what? It's not worth it. It's just not worth entering those turbulent waters. I'm just going to let this go, because it's just too much to handle. You have any kids like that? You have any turbulent kids? Hurricane kids? No matter how old they are, a two-year-old can be a little hurricane. I mean, I'm just saying. Sometimes you struggle because you think it's not worth it. It's not worth the drama. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the yelling. It's not worth the repercussions to bring up this issue. So what do we do? Jacob put his head in the sand. Jacob put his head in sand and thought by putting his head in the sand, he would be able to overlook and forget about the disappointment and the hurt 
of what Reuben did. But you know what happened? It grew. It only got stronger. And at the time, Jacob probably thought, this is the least confrontational, the least explosive way, so this is, this is how I'm going to handle it. This is what I'm going to do. But it proved to be horrible in the end. So what does strong look like? Strong looks like making a commitment. Then never put your head in the sand when issues arise. To addressing issues as they happen. If you ignore them and put your head in the sand, they will only grow stronger. And if you think you don't know how to handle it now, well then you're definitely not gonna know how to handle it later. So then the question is, well how do I handle it now? You know what, let's just stop for a second and look how our Heavenly Father handles it. Because the situation's pretty similar. You see, your Heavenly Father has thousands of adult children that continually turn their back on him, that continually sin, continually choose things in their life that do not honor him. They continually put other things as a higher priority than him in their lives. We all mess up. We all sin and we all fall short of God's glorious idea. So how does our heavenly father deal with you and how does he deal with me? And in that, maybe we can pull out a couple of things of how we can handle issues and address issues as they arise. Well, here's the first way that God handles and approaches difficult issues with his children. He offers no condemnation or judgment about me personally. No condemnation or judgment about me personally. Look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the most amazing and beautiful verses in the entire Bible. You know what it means? It means for all of the mistakes you've made, for all the times you've turned your back on God, he doesn't condemn you and he doesn't judge you. He doesn't point a finger at you. There is no condemnation and there is no judgment. He forgives you. He forgives you. Because look, pointing your fingers and saying, you're wrong, I'm right, I told you so. I told you so. I am condemning you and I am judging you. Praise God, our Heavenly Father does not deal with us in that light. There is no head in the sand. What he tells us over and over again is that he loves us, that he loves us, that he loves us, that he loves us. As parents, you have to learn to separate, to separate any condemnation or judgment from the person, from your child. You have to separate it. You can attach condemnation and judgment to the issue because it probably revolves around sin. But when it comes to the person, when it comes to your child, the only thing you attach is your love. And you reaffirm that love over and over and over and over again. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. This issue, whatever choice was made, man, that choice was sin. Condemn the issue, condemn that sin. Judge it all you want. But the moment you judge your child is the moment that road back to a relationship becomes very, very difficult. 
And the even harder thing is, is that if you only reaffirm your love when dealing and handling difficult issues, they're not gonna believe it. You have to reaffirm your love every single time you communicate with them. Reaffirm your love to them, reaffirm your love to them so that they know it. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is only forgiveness and there is love and there is grace. And praise God for it. Well, how's another way that God handles difficult issues when it comes to his children? He wins me over with great amounts of kindness, tolerance, and praise. He wins me over with great amounts of kindness, tolerance, and praise. Paul writes in Romans chapter two, verse four, or do you show contempt for the riches of God's, of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Stop for a minute and think of the worst thing you've ever done. Worst thing you've ever done. Season of your life where you have been the furthest away from God. You felt like he was a million miles away and you didn't know how to go back. What if God had come back to you and said, hey, you want a relationship back with me? Here's what you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have to get the, you get what you deserve treatment. You're gonna have to go through punishment and retribution and it's gonna be long and it's gonna be hard and you're gonna have to jump through a million and one hoops. You want the relationship back? That's how you're gonna have to do it. You know what we would say? I don't want the relationship that bad. You'd like to think that you would say that you'd go through it? You wouldn't. The the relationship would just be gone. God knows. God knows that's not how to draw back in a relationship. So why do you think that punishment and retribution and forced begging is going to get adult children to come back into a relationship with parents? It just doesn't work. You see, God knows something. God knows what strong looks like. Strong looks like choosing a relationship over being right. Look, if God wanted to be right, he absolutely could. He absolutely could. God could point his fingers at us and he could say, I told you how to act. You didn't act that way. I am condemning you and I am judging you. But that is not what he does. He is exceeding in his amount of kindness. He is overwhelming in his tolerance of us. And he is over the top, above and beyond patient with you. Because here's the reality. You make mistakes. And in those moments where you make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over and over again, At a time when God could say, I told you already, stop. I am right. He doesn't. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment. There is only kindness, tolerance, and patience. Because God knows that a relationship is far more important than being right. And Jesus Christ died for a relationship. Not to prove that God is right. God desires a relationship with you. That's why he shows kindness, tolerance, and patience. If you want that relationship with your children, no matter how old they are, do not choose being right. Always choose the relationship and display it in love and forgiveness and kindness and tolerance and patience without showing any condemnation or judgment. 
You know, I think about a time in my life when I felt a million miles from God. I was in my younger years, which really wasn't that long ago. I'm still pretty young. When I was in college, I was addicted to internet pornography. I've talked about it tons of times in here before. I felt like God was so far away. I didn't know how to go back. I continually thought, how would God even want to have me back in a relationship when I've made the same mistake over and over and over and over again and had promised over and over and over again that I wouldn't, but I did. You know how he wanted me back? He never pointed a finger at me. He never condemned me and he never judged me. He won me back because he forgave me, he loved me, he was kind to me. He was tolerant when I made those mistakes and he was very patient. That's why I have a relationship with him now. I know he's right. I don't have to think about that because a relationship is more important. You've got to separate sin. You've got to remove the sin. You've got to remove the condemnation and the judgment and focus on kindness and tolerance and patience. And I promise you it works. You know why? Because it worked with you. It worked with you and your relationship with your heavenly father. And so if you're sitting here saying, nope, that's not gonna work. I gotta condemn, I gotta judge. That doesn't work. I know it works because you have a relationship with God. You know, there's a whole other side of this Jacob and Reuben story that I want us to look at. It's where we pull out our second big takeaway from this morning. So here's number two. Don't blame myself for my child's actions. Don't blame myself for my child's actions. Whether you have adult kids, or whether you have young kids, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, the choices that they make. It's not your fault, the destructive path that they have chosen. It is not your fault. You are not responsible for their choices, just like they are not responsible for your choices. So hear me when I tell you, it is not your fault. There's a little more to this story with Jacob and Reuben. It comes in the verses right before what we read earlier. See, Jacob had two wives. Yes, I know, two wives and a concubine. Look, Days of Our Lives has nothing on the Bible. So, we'll get, don't worry about it. His two wives, Rachel and Leah. Rachel had just died, giving birth to Benjamin. Very traumatic and unexpected way, one of Jacob's wives died. And now, while Reuben was not the biological son of Rachel, in their culture, he absolutely viewed Rachel as a mother figure in his life who had always been there. And so when she died, do you not think he was traumatized? Do you not think he was hurt? Absolutely. So let's take another look at Genesis 35, starting in verse 19. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Yeah, Reuben was probably traumatized, hurt, grieving, not knowing where to go or what to do. He probably wanted to go to his dad, I don't know, but might have looked at it and said, you know what, man, my dad is like grieving over the loss of his wife. I can't go to him. 
Maybe he went to Bilhah for comfort and found it in his father's concubine. I, I, I don't know how the rest of the story played out, but you know what I don't see anywhere in this story is Israel blaming himself. Nowhere in this entire story does Israel say, if I'd been more focused on how my sons were grieving than how I was grieving, this wouldn't have happened. Or he never blames himself for saying, you know, maybe if I had been the kind of father that would have, like Reuben would have known that no matter what, like he could have like addressed me and come back to me no matter how difficult or what I'm going through, then this would never have happened. We don't see any of that anywhere in the entire story. Do not blame yourself. I talked about my addiction to internet pornography a little bit ago. Wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't their fault, that addiction. They're not the ones that put the computer in front of me and pulled up that stuff. No, I did that. I walked that path on my own. I'm the one that caused that destruction. I'm the one that caused that hurt. It is not their fault. Mom, I know you listen to the podcast. I don't know if you blame yourself. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I chose that path, Mom. And it's not your fault for the path that your kids have chosen. So that guilt, that guilt that is just so weighing on your shoulders, cast it aside now. Because there is no condemnation on you. There is no judging on you. There is only reaffirming of God's love. So you know what strong looks like? Zero blame. You're not to blame. Do not blame yourself for decisions that your children or any other family member had made. Do not blame yourself. It is not your fault and you are not responsible for their choices. So here's the reality. What does strong ultimately look like? It looks like parents and families that deal with each other the way that our Heavenly Father deals with us. Whether we're trying to navigate the roads of adult children or toddlers. Address issues as they appear. Do not blame yourself. Don't condemn, don't judge, but show an exceeding amount of kindness, tolerance, and patience. That's what strong looks like. So everybody right now, take out your connection card. And let's take some next steps based on the message today. Maybe for you it's this first one. I will address issues with my family as they happen and not put my head in the sand. Look, make the commitment now to address issues. Don't put your head in the sand. And look, if there is an issue and your head is currently in the sand, well, take your head out of the sand and address the issue because now you know how. Here's the next one. I commit to not be condemning or judgmental in my conversations with my kids. Do not condemn and do not judge no matter how old your children are. Or this third one. I commit to win my kids over with kindness, tolerance, and patience. And I promise you, it works. Because it worked with you. God's continual kindness, patience, and tolerance being poured out on you won you over into a relationship with him. It works.
Or the fourth one, I will no longer blame myself for other people's actions. Don't blame yourself because it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Or this next one, I will teach my kids to turn to God in times of stress and trouble. Look, here's the best way to do it. You want to know how to teach them how to look, how to seek God and follow him? When you are in your times of stress and trouble, let them see how you handle it. Let them see you seek God in times of stress and trouble. And stress and trouble. There we go. When they watch you and they see how you handle it, they'll know how to handle it. Way more effective than just telling them. Here's a great verse to memorize, Romans 2.4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Or this last one, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If there's never come a time in your life where you've put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, would you do that this morning? Maybe when I was talking about being miles away from God, inside you were screaming, that's me. That's me. And you don't know how to start that relationship. Look, having a relationship with God starts with a simple prayer. There's a sample of it on the bottom of your sermon notes. It begins with saying, God, I'm sorry for not putting you number one in my life. Will you forgive me of my sins? And then it's pledging your life to follow him from this day forward. If you've never prayed that prayer or one like it, I'm gonna give you some time in just a couple moments to pray that prayer. And if you pray that prayer and you mean it, well then congratulations. The reason you're at this point now is because of God's amount of kindness, tolerance, and patience being poured out on you for this moment right now. So congratulations and I am very excited for you. But what I want all of us to do right now, I want us to take a couple of moments and I want us to pray individually, silently, for God to lead us into which next steps he would have us take. And then I want us to pray for strength to follow through with those this week. If you want to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, now's the perfect time to do it. So across the room, would everybody bow your head and pray silently for the next couple of moments with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you with an attitude of gratefulness. God, we are so thankful, God, that you do not condemn us, that you do not judge us, but God, you deal with us in kindness and tolerance and impatience. God, I thank you for choosing our relationship with you over being right. So God, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for our sins so that we can have that relationship. God, that you do not leave us separated from you God, condemned and judged. So God, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that right now your spirit would pour down upon us, God, so that we can be an example to our families, God, of how you deal with us. And God, that it would guide us in how we deal with our children. God, that we can heal relationships that have been wounded. God, that we can offer love and kindness and forgiveness in places where there is condemnation and judgment. God, I thank you. God, that there is no blame and there is no guilt on us. God, that you have forgiven us and you have washed us clean. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, would your spirit come into this room in a very powerful and mighty way. God, would you make us strong? Would you make us strong in you? Would you make our family strong? The relationships with our family members, Lord, would they be strengthened? Would you use us as the instigators of your spirit in our family?
families. God, so that change may come. God, that we may more represent your heart and your love than we ever have before. So God, we worship you. God, because you are worthy of our praise. We thank you. We love you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.